This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This morning we're going to go a little further, and uh, on point today is we're going to aim for eternity. Aim for eternity. Taking out your Bibles to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. While you're finding 1 Timothy 6 on your, on your phone or your app, or maybe you have an old-fashioned Bible like I carry around, uh, whatever you have, while you're finding your 1 Timothy 6, I would like to say if you're new to our church, we welcome you today. If you're a guest, my name is Tommy, and uh, I'm the lucky one that gets to pastor this incredible group of people, and I, I really do thank you for being here. And if you're interested in knowing anything about this ministry that we have, uh, every Sunday at 11.30, so whenever you came today and came to this service, uh, there's a group of people that are upstairs behind that back wall. The staircases are in the lobby out there. They're, they're in their meeting on, in, in something called Growth Track, and it's something that you can attend on Sundays at 11.30 for about 30 minutes to ask questions, get answers. Uh, you could hear the vision of our church. You could hear... Uh, the, the, the past, you could kind of know where we've come from and where we believe God has taken us. It's called Growth Track, and we would love for you to consider uh, attending Growth Track. It's at 1130. It's normally about 30 minutes, and that will allow you to slide right in about the time that I start preaching. And so why don't you do that next Sunday? I think you'll be blessed for it. First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17. Command those who are rich in this present world now, I'm going to have you say some things out loud today. To, I want you, yourself, to hear it. Everyone say, this present world. That's the now. That's where we are, this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment this is a side note, but since I've got you for a few minutes, I'm going to give you two sermons in one. This is not about the message today, but some of you need to hear this and hear it well. God has no problem with you having stuff. God is not concerned about you having blessings. He wants you blessed. And let me show you in Scripture why. Because every good thing comes from Him. I'm going to tell you all a funny one since everybody's worried about that, that, that child. Uh, the story is that the preacher was up preaching one time, and, and a little baby started, started having a meltdown. And I don't know what that was, maybe an accident or something. We pray over him. But uh, this, this kid's having a meltdown, and the dad scooped up the kid, and, and the church is all quiet, and they're watching the dad, and he's holding the kid, and the kid screams, Pray, church, he's going to beat me, he's going to beat me. <laughs> you just never know what's going on in church. Let's get back to the scripture. So, I want you to see this. God gives us things for our enjoyment. And we're just going to lay it, we're just going to make it plain. Here we go. We're going to make it plain for you. There's not one thing wrong with a family having stuff. The problem is when stuff has them. Nothing wrong with having money. But you can't afford to let money have you. Nothing wrong with having a vacation home, but the vacation home better not have you. Nothing wrong with having a four-wheeler, thank you, Jesus, but you can't have the four-wheeler have you. Nothing wrong with having a boat, but you can't let the boat have you. We go on and on and on and on. 
Why do I bring that up? Because there's two crazy extremes in Christianity. One extreme says, well, I'm a Christian. I just name it and claim it. I, own, I have the rights to jet airlines and I have the right to all the money in the world and I will, I will step on anybody's back to get it because I'm highly favored of the Lord. Well, if the Lord blesses you with it, great, but that's not biblical. But neither is this camp where they say, I'm a child of God and I'm meant to be poor and broke and I'm supposed to give everything away. That's not biblically sound. The scriptures say, command those who are rich in this present world, that's today, be rich, but don't be arrogant and don't put your hope in that money because money comes and money goes. You can buy a motor home and the transmission go out on it. Can I get an amen, somebody? Buy real estate and a flood comes. California folks know, buy real estate and a fire burn it down. Don't worry about having stuff, just don't let the, the, the stuff have you. Don't put your hope in it because it's uncertain. Rather, put your hope in God because it's him who richly provides us for everything for our enjoyment. So let God give you a brand new house. Just put a small group in that house and you'll be okay. Somebody say that was good preaching. Now do y'all want the real sermon? Here we go. Man, we got babies all over this church, man. And son, let me just tell y'all something. For a preacher with ADD, it ain't good. (laughs) Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, generosity and sharing, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Everyone say this present world. And now say this out loud, this coming age. Present world, coming age. Here, there, now, then. Earth, heaven. Time, eternity. This present world, the coming age. Don't put your hope in this present world, nor the stuff that comes with it, but lay up your treasures in the coming world, heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven, And this is why, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. A lot of folks think that this is life. Well, I I, I hate to tell you this, but there's got to be something better than this. As good as it is, it's not heaven. This is not as good as it gets. And I know you want to say amen to that. Well, this message starts about right now, so give me a few of your minutes, and let me help you understand how to aim for eternity. But before we talk about how, let's talk about why. Why do we want to aim for eternity and not this world? Because here's the first fundamental Christian, uh, uh, biblically sound reason, and I'm going to give you some scripture for it, but here it is. Write it down. It's in your app if you want to read it for yourself. Heaven, not earth is your home. And we make the mistake of thinking our home is here. Our home is not here. It's kind of like me in, in my natural birth uh, and, and rearing up. I, I, live in, I, I live here. But I wasn't born here and I wasn't reared here as a child. But I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. But it's still not home. Louisiana's home to me. 
You've got to get this same thinking into your spirit as a believer. Enjoy this. You're enjoying the, the now life, this present world. But this is not your home. Because your spirit. Now, this may get a little deep for some of you, but, but I, I'm going to get you there, okay? Your body, soul, and spirit, you're made up of three. Your body is your flesh. It's what's enjoying coffee and what might eat some chicken today by faith in Jesus' name. Some fried chicken. Your body enjoys the football game. It's your body that, that, that needs a nap. Just not while I'm preaching. Your body, your flesh. But then you got a soul. That's your emotions, your feelings. It's your thoughts. But then you have a spirit that belongs to God. Your body is going to be buried in a ground or cremated one day. And this might make some of you uncomfortable, but your body will not live on. And while your body will pass, your soul will as well. But your spirit will live for eternity. And I want this to sink in with you. If you're going to live on point in this present world, you have to be focusing on the bullseye of the coming age. You have to aim for eternity if you're going to make it through this world. If not, you're going to get so focused here that you're going to miss there. I'm glad one person thinks it's good. Or at least willing to share that it's good. Everybody say that's good. <laughs> Thank you. It's not me though. It's scripture. If you get so focused here, you're going to miss there. Let me explain it to you scripturally. Check this out. Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 verse 18, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ, well their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, meaning they wake up every day looking for me, 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 what else can I get, 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 their whole world is self-indulgence, their whole world is about their appetite for, for fun, their appetite for more. They got to get more money. They've got to have more excitement. They've got to have more because their appetite craves it. Their glory is their shame. The, the ultimate final resting place of a self-indulged life is shame. But read on. This is why. Because their mind is on earthly things. Their mind is perverse. And that does not necessarily mean, I know in our modern culture, anything perverse means that it's, that it's got to deal with sexuality. But perverse is deeper than that. It's not just based on lust. Perverse meaning not of God. They're on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, the Bible says. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14 is a chapter in the Bible that I, probably 98% of every funeral I do, I will stand at the graveside and I'll stand at the head of that casket of that loved one and I'll look into the eyes of that family on that front and second row under that canopy 
in the cemetery. And about 98% of the time, I will either quote, cite, or read directly John 14. And I'll look into their eyes and I will remind them what happened to the disciples. The disciples were upset. The word of the Lord in the King James Version uses the word troubled. They were troubled at the fact that Jesus was leaving, going back to heaven. And Jesus looked at them and said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But whether I go, you'll go also. And he educates these disciples that are troubled. Why were they troubled? Because they thought earth was their home. And Jesus wanted them to understand, no, 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 no. You're only here for a moment. Earth is not your home. I'm going to your home. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's going to prepare a place for you. But we spend most of our time on earthly things. I can tell you right now, I know my morning starts in the morning with my kids being dropped at school and then I have an 8.30 appointment with the insurance agent over all of this property. And we're on earthly things. We're talking about hail damage. We're talking about renewal options. We're talking about this and that. I also know my rest of the day schedule. I can go through my whole week, earthly things, earthly things, earthly things, just like you. You have a schedule this week. It's earthly things. And we have to tend to them, but we can't have them run our lives. Because this is just for a moment. We're going somewhere better than here. Matter of fact, let's take you to our next point real quick because I'm kind of segueing into it. I want you to see this image. Help me with this image. I think this helps you. Um, I, I, last minute, this was a Saturday night special. I asked for this little image, but it makes the point. This dot, this little circle, this dot is life on earth. Paul says it's like a vapor. Paul says that it's here and it's gone. It's like gone. It's, it's over that fast. But there's a line with an arrow, and that line lasts forever. It's called eternity. And you and I are living in the dot. Someone said, standing in this pulpit many years ago, which he's now deceased. His name was Mickey. Mickey said, we're living in the dash. Every tombstone you'll ever see more than likely will have a birth date and a death date. And there's a little dash in between. And that's all we have. It could be eight years. It could be 80. It's still a dash. We're living in the dot life here on earth. And it's not that I'm trying to bring you down. I'm trying to get you thinking about going up. If you, if you don't address the issue that life is short, when your life comes to an end, you'll be in shock. The sooner you prepare now for them, the better everyone in your network will be. Because this circle, this dot, this dash, this moment is just brief. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 14 through 16 reads, people who live this way, thinking about eternity, people who live this way, they make it plain. They make it plain that they're looking for their true home. Where's our true home? Everybody shout heaven. Come on, we can do better than that. Where's your true home? Heaven. 
their heaven, this is what it says, they were after a far better country. We've convinced ourselves, or the enemy has convinced us, that earth is better than heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, earth is not better than heaven. You can see why God is so proud of them, it continues to read, and he has a city waiting for them. I've mentioned this in the first two services. It's outside of my notes, so you're not going to see this on your app. This was a moment in the 830 service where I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me revelation. So I just kind of left the notes and spoke it. Let me, let me continue it with you. Do you know why you have to die to go to heaven? Because your natural body that you're living in right now couldn't handle the greatness of heaven. I think we max out at good. Good vacation. Good Christmas morning with family. A good, good meal. A good movie. I think that's about as high as we go. Good is the opposite of bad. But heaven? The reason it's out there, the reason that it's, it's, it's out there, is because the dot's natural. That's natural. Who gets the natural? The natural get the natural. The supernatural, it's spiritual. That's why your body's not going. Your body's not going to heaven, everybody. Wake up call. Your body's going into the dirt. But your spirit can handle the supernatural. And God said it is good. And he welcomes the good of creation, the body, into the supernatural realm of something much greater, and, and I'm sure there's a better word than greater, but it's Louisiana education. That's all I got. I'm sure there's a, a better word. Matter of fact, I don't have my, uh, my, my, my phone on me, but someone from the 830 said, here's, here's a doctorate degree understanding of what's better than greater, and it's the, it's the uh, fulfillment of wholeness, and I just said, cool, thanks. Uh, that's about all I got. I don't have a PhD, but um, let's move on. The line is longer than the dot. Why do you need to be thinking about eternity? Because it's coming quicker than you know it. And it comes by these ways, either death or the rapture, the calling away of the church. And we think we have forever until it gets here. And we don't. Let me give you another reason. If you're following in your app, we're skipping point three. We're going to circle back to it. Here's a reason why you have to aim for eternity. Because it's smart to do so. Smart people aim. Smart parents aim at parenting well. When you have a baby and you leave Harris Southwest, you did not leave there smart. You either left there with a bullseye to get smart as a parent, or you left there without a bullseye and the proof's in the pudding. That was a funny one. That's why we read books on parenting. 
That's why we listen to smarter parents than ourselves. That's why we ask questions. That's why we go to parenting small groups. That's why we go to parenting conferences. Why? Because smart parents aim. They aim. Good marriages, they aim at marriage. When you said, I do, at 18, you were not a smart husband. You were just somebody that thought she was really hot. But you had no idea what you were signing up for. But that's why you invest in marriage. That's why you read books on marriage. That's why you go to marriage uh, seminars and lessons and teachings. And that's why you hang out with successful marriage couples. Married couples, rather. Because you want to be smart. For the believer, smart believers aim for eternity. Smart Christians don't aim for the here. They aim for the there. If we were to go out to the Rangers ball game and, and let's say that the fastest pitcher in the MLB was on the mound. Let's say that he could just sling a fastball at 103 miles per hour. You would want him to aim. Then why are we waking up on Mondays as Christians not aiming for eternity? Matthew 6 verse 19 tells us this way. Don't store up treasures here on earth because moths are going to corrupt them. Rust is going to destroy them. Thieves are going to break in and steal. How is that possible? Moth, rust, people stealing. Why is that possible? Because it's natural. It's in this present world. So what do you want me to do? Store up treasures in heaven. This coming age. Eternity. Why? Because that's supernatural. The Bible says moths and rust can't destroy that. Thieves can't break in and steal that. And here's the, here's the sound doctrine. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. A lot of people say, well, I put my money where my heart is. No, no, you put your heart where your money is. Let me help you on that. You put your kid in select baseball, your money and your time and your energy will be on select baseball because that's where you put your money. You like me, you put your money into a deer lease, you're going to have some time to go to that deer lease. You be like me, and you like to play golf, you put your money into golf, you're going to find time to play the golf. Your heart will follow your money. And this is where the biblical principle comes into the kingdom of God. You start putting your money, start putting your time, start putting your talent, start putting your treasure into the things of God, you will grow closer to God. You start storing up treasures in this coming age, in heaven, in eternity, you will start seeing things through the lens of eternity in a much clearer way. So let me give you a few hows, a how-to. As I started this series last Sunday, I told you that a few of these things I picked up in my study, in my prayer, in my feelings, in my emotions, preparing for my dad's eulogy that I spoke here on this platform, August 25th. And there were so many things I wanted to say about my dad, I didn't have the time to say it because the two preachers in front of me went too long. So I've just decided to take a whole month to joke. Man, you guys are a tough audience today. <clears throat> Man, it's bad when 8.30 laughs more than the 11.30. I mean, come on. 
I'm so mean about that 830. I love them, though. I do. I love them. I love them. By faith in Jesus' name. I'll give you a few how-tos that my mother and father taught me, but I've learned now. It's not them. It's the word through them. Here's the first one. If you're going to aim for eternity, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You give God all of you. You give him you. Well, I give him my tithe. That's not you. You can give him all the money in your bank account. But if he doesn't have you, all you did was give some money. He's not worried about your money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. He, he, he wants you. Well, I sing on the platform and I give hours every week leading in children's ministry. That's, that's great. We, 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 we appreciate that. But if he doesn't have you, all you've done was schedule you some good volunteer time. So what do you mean, Pastor? John Bynell said it this way. If one gives himself to God, all the other giving's easy. Most people struggle in giving finances to the work of God. And most of the time when they struggle on being faithful tithers, it's because God doesn't really have all of them. He may have a piece of them, but they hold the other pieces for themselves. Most people won't give time. They're not as faithful as they could be. Most of the time, because God doesn't have all of them, he's got about a quarter of them. If one gives himself to God, himself, himself, all other giving is easy. It's easy to give finances. It's easy to give time. It's easy, it, it's easy to give my talent because he has all of me. So being that he has all of me, he has all of those things. So again, reiterating, repackaging, saying it very clearly. God doesn't need your money. He needs you. He needs you. Because if that wasn't the case, then that makes, that, then that, you know what that says? That means you can buy your way into heaven. You can't. I don't care how much money you give to church. It doesn't mean you're saved. Well, that means you can perform your way into heaven. I don't care if you can sing like an angel. If he doesn't have you, you're not saved. All you are is a good singer. But I give 20 hours a week to that church. Guys, you cannot perform, give, or serve your way into eternity. When that dot's over and that line starts, it's based on one thing. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with your time. It has nothing to do with your talent. It's got everything to do with your heart. And if God has your heart, you enter into eternity with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says it this way. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. So therefore honor God with your bodies. Here's a second one for you. Act like a steward, not an owner. If you want to live on point, aiming at eternity, stop thinking that everything you have is yours. You're a steward over it. Well, that's my baby. God's given you that baby on loan. That baby belongs to God before you. Well, that's my business. God's trusting you with that business. It's not yours. 
How do you know all of that? Well, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He. It's He that gives you the ability to produce wealth. But that's my marriage. No, God's trusting you to steward over a husband and a wife. And last but not least, as our keyboard player comes, Jeff, I just, if you don't mind, just you just today right here closing this out. Live by being intentional. Now, my mom's here, and I don't want to make her more emotional than she might be. Tomorrow's their, my mom and dad's 52nd wedding anniversary. And I couldn't help but thinking of something that happened at my father's death that has everything to do with this. If you're going to aim for eternity, you have to be intentional. Most of the time when the offering plates passed at Calvary, just because I happen to be here and I see, most of the time it's like, hey, you got something? Yeah, yeah, let me get a little something, something, something here. And it's just kind of on the fly. But the neatest thing happened. I learned a lot about my dad in his death. Interesting. And I remember how puzzled my mother was over it. Because every family has their routine, right? My dad was a faithful tither, but he gave once a month. And he gave as consistent. And I'm, I'm telling you, as faithful and consistent as a tither as anything. And, and you know what's so funny around here? A lot of people feel like my you won't believe how many people thought that my dad was a pastor. Dude, my, pa- my dad gave me all my preaching material because he was a heathen. He was not a pastor. Most of the stuff I preach against, I learned because I watched him. And so people say, well, of course he was a Tyler. He was a preacher. That's what them preachers are all about. No, he, he, he wasn't a preacher. He was a believer that was aiming for eternity. Had nothing to do with the job had everything to do with the destination. So coming down the end of his life, my mother said to me in a panic, she goes, baby, I have no idea what we even have in the checking account. It's been, your daddy's been in a coma for 18 days. I hadn't even looked. I'm just, I don't even know what we, and I said, well, you, that's, you need to figure that out. And she got into the checkbook and was puzzled because he was a once a month tither and Typically, it was the day of or the week of that he would write the check. But she noticed in the checkbook that he had already written out way ahead of time their little married, retired couple's tithe. Intentional. And something tells me that the dot was over that the line had begun and while his body still had ability to write his spirit said let's just give one more tithe check and I know it's early in the month but let's write it out now where Linda won't even have to wonder what to do ladies and gentlemen You never know when it's coming, but Solomon said it will.
the time to be born and the time to die. And I'm afraid that so many of us are worried about lunch and ball games and vacations and school that we're forgetting when it's over. We get to go home. Our real home is heaven. Now, I want you to stand with me real quick.